0: Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. So, as we're taking this little detour from uh, the normal practice of uh, preaching from the lectionary, we're working through the Ten Commandments, and today is. Thou shalt not murder. Part of why I've struggled with this is because I thought that we might hear it, um, try to hear God's heart in it, maybe say something about it, and that we'd muster only a few yawns. Because I doubt that any of us would try to argue that it's acceptable to plot the demise of our neighbor. Don't murder, we would say, of course. Move on. Of course, this week, as uh, the threat happened in uh, both city and county schools, this question of murder and hatred, particularly toward persons of color, uh, comes rising up in really awful and evil ways. And we have to grapple with the fact that murder really isn't nearly so far from us as we think it is. This command is happening at the moment where we are moving from a primary orientation toward God, which must be established first. How do we respond to the one who is our creator? To then moving not away from God, but how does this love for God begin to enact our love for our neighbor? And in the very first commandment, in this order, we hear the most basic reality, thou shalt not murder. maybe the very first thing we actually do need to get straight as humans before we can have any other true kind of love for our neighbor is the simple basic fact that we're not going to kill one another. If we move beyond those short words, though, we begin to all kinds of battlegrounds, and I'm really not going to delve into all of that, but the Christian tradition, you should know, has really grappled with massive implications for what does it mean to murder and kill? Is it ever right under any circumstances, or is it? Is it right in matters of self-defense? Is there anything like grew out of the tradition of St. Augustine that might be called just war? Is there any way that we can think about this as Christians? I'm, I'm not going to uh, be able to do much in that conversation this morning, but I think as Christians, we need to really grapple with being a citizen of the kingdom of God means we are not a citizen and our loyalty is not to the kingdoms of this world. And that ought to at least disorient us in our posture toward how we deal with matters of violence. I, I really hope that texts like, Thou Shalt Not Murder, the way the King James that you might have grown up hearing it is, Thou Shalt Not Kill. This ought to massively complicate how we think about our life in the world, where our loyalties are. As a Christian, every single human life is precious. It's a gift because God alone is the giver of all kinds of life and every life that exists. There is no life that exists that does not come from God. But I think the thing that I most am supposed to do this morning is to reawaken in us, how something new and dramatic has happened in Jesus, the reason why Christians, when we 're being faithful to our King, have always massively struggle, struggled with questions of violence, war, even in the what would seem the most um, clear or potentially righteous circumstances is because no longer are we ones who are merely governed and remade by ethical theories, but we are ones who have been remade by the cross of Jesus Christ. We are a community that has been shaped by what Latasha offered us this morning, the question in one of her pieces, which is, will you carry the cross of Christ? That we are now a cruciform people. The question of violence is not merely a question about ethical behavior, though it's certainly that, it is a question that goes to the deep reality of who we are as a people, is have we been shaped by the story of the one who, to get, who chose to give up his life rather than take it? One who is, would be murdered rather than murder. Jesus went far deeper than simply commanding us not to murder Rather, Jesus made it possible for us to be the kind of people who are so transformed that we no longer live with anger toward one another. And this anger is at the very root of much of our violence. Jesus in Matthew said, you have heard that it was said, do not murder. We've heard that it was said, right? (laughs) Right? You've heard that it was said, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus says that as people of God's new kingdom, our anger is often a kind of murder. There is a way, Scripture says, to be angry and not sin. But even there, paul um, it's almost like Paul is telling us to handle this very carefully. This is a dangerous reality. Because Paul says it may put us in the horrid position of cooperating with Satan. This is what Paul says. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Most often, Scripture warns us of anger's murderous destruction. In James, we hear that human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. In Colossians, we hear, But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. And Jesus tells us in Matthew Anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. It is not just that Jesus is making the commandment harder. It's that Jesus is going deeper. Jesus probes into the heart. I think it's not very likely that many of us today are going to be tempted to pick up a machete and go on a rampage probably very few of us are likely this week to pull out the Roundup and pour it into our spouse's coffee. But anger, rage, the unleashing of our unbridled contempt on another person, that's just what we call Twitter. (laughs) Sometimes we even call it justice. people of God, this ought not to be. Because we are people of life. We are people who have been shaped by the cross, which puts us in that massively vulnerable position of never okaying unrighteousness and never yielding in our opposition to unrighteousness in unrighteous ways. We are called to be transformed. Jesus made it possible, filling us with his very spirit to become the kind of people who rather than destroying our enemies, hear Jesus' ludicrous word and love our enemies. Jesus makes us the kind of people who rather than protecting ourselves, lay ourselves down for the love of others. I think of the massive Numerous ways that we enact a spirit of murder toward one another. I am desperate for the inbreaking kingdom of Jesus' righteousness, aren't you? There's a, a poster I was drawn to this week. I have a picture of it. It came out from the Mennonites who are part of the peace tradition. And I think there's a picture of it. It's called, you may not be able to read it all, it's called A Modest Proposal for Peace. And that Modest Proposal for Peace is that all Christians would make a decision not to kill one another. Now, there's probably lots of responses you should have to this, which is precisely the point. That's why it's called A Modest Proposal. (laughs) If it would just be that those people Who have been born and remade by the kingdom of God would not kill one another. What might happen? With each of these commandments, we discover how Jesus does for us what we could never do for ourselves. The commandments heard through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the inbreaking spirit of God are not a heavy burden that buries us. They are liberation toward the kind of life that Jesus now makes possible. Do you know that in the spirit of God, it is possible to be one who does not murder? With our heart, with our hope, with our energy, Murder is often a matter of revenge, retaliation, scapegoating. How many wars have happened because we are scapegoating another person, another place? On the cross, when Jesus died, he died so that no other human need ever die as a scapegoat. In the person of Jesus Christ, it was not merely a sacrifice for our own redemption and the redemption of the world. It is a reordering of the way power works in the kingdom of God. The question before us is will we live into our true identity? Will we be a people who are shaped more by the cross of Jesus Christ than the power structures of this world? Are we shaped more by the cross of Christ than our own ideologies? Are we shaped by the cross of Christ more than we are loyalty to our own nation? Are we shaped by the cross of Christ more than we are to self-preservation? Are we shaped by the cross of Christ more than we are to our standard of living? Are we shaped by the cross of Christ. Would you pray with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.